0: You're listening to the Redemption Church Podcast as we go through our Christmas series called God With Us. As we are just sort of looking at each chapter of the Gospels, of what the Christmas story, what that author is intending us to see, with the focus of that God is with us. He is here. He is present. So, Merry Christmas, Let's look to Christ. Let's think about these things because oftentimes, even in our calendars, we were talking about all the parties and the trips and things and the gifts that we have. We say Christmas so much that we forget about Christ. You ever ever get so busy you forget about the meaning of life? Uh, So many times we forget this. It's a holy day. It's set apart. It's special that we should actually take time to remember. So we have a tradition uh, at Redemption Church to, to, to linger, to meditate, to ponder, to, to take the time every Christmas season and just like let's look at the gospel and let's see what the Bible says about the Christmas story because we can get so wrapped up in this culture. And so this year's theme, we're sort of thinking through, okay, God with us. We're looking at each gospel writer's account of the Christmas story with the focus of how is God with us. And last week, Pastor Robin, he started this series by kicking us off from John chapter 1. John chapter 1, where, the, where John says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's full of grace. He's full of truth. And we just examined John's approach, and his big idea was love came down. Jesus said, I came from heaven down to earth to seek and save the lost, that we can look at the love of God in this act of love in this baby Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the one that came from heaven. In fact, God is with us in the act of love, and we need to be reminded of this over and over and over again. Amen? And so tonight, we're going to study from the Gospel of Luke. So grab your Bibles, your smartphones. We are going to do Luke chapter 1, verses 5 through 80, 75 verses. You're welcome. We're going to read some scripture tonight, all right? And listen, Luke wants us to know this. Not only is God with us, God wants us to know that He is with us. God wants us to know his love, to know his presence, his power, and he doesn't want to start with just the birth of Jesus. He starts, rather, things leading up. Now, I think this is fascinating because the, the story of the birth of Jesus, and this is Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, but we're going to read 75 verses leading up to the birth of Jesus. Because Luke wants us to know from the start of his gospel that this is there is a foretelling that the Messiah has come and God wants us to know this. Luke wanted us to know something about Jesus' birth, that it's special and it's a part of God's plan. And I believe one of the reasons why Luke is setting up the birth or the climax of God being man is because it gives us a fuller story of the Christmas story. And oftentimes, when you think about just baby Jesus, you're not getting the full picture of Christ, the Messiah, the King, the, the majesty of Jesus, just in this one moment. He's trying to let us know the full story. He wants us not only to understand that God is with us, but God wants us to know that He is with us. You know, the writer of Hebrews, chapter 1, verse 1 through 3, said this Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through who also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Too often when we think about Christmas or the Christmas story, we just think about the birth of Christ, but there is so much more leading up to the birth of Christ. And there's so much more that happens after Jesus grows in stature and learns obedience and lives this life and becomes a rabbi and teaches and goes to the cross and ascends and then the church is birthed. There's a bigger story. And you know, the Bible is full of the story, the good news, the character of who God is. It's who God is. It's called the meta story of the Bible, that there is creation And then humans came and we fell. We fell into sin. And then God's redemptive plan and story is to redeem us and then to make things new for all eternity. A meta story is the overwhelming, arching story having other stories embedded in it. And the Christmas story is one of those stories that we love, but it's embedded in the gospel of Jesus, in the plan of God. It's like you shouldn't think of Christmas without thinking about the cross as well. Because this is a meta story. This is the full plan. Because both express, the Bible says, the love of God. You shouldn't, you can't think about a baby without thinking about Jesus growing up and his teachings. This is one of the reasons why we shouldn't neglect reading the Old Testament in our Bible reading plan. Because it gives us a fuller story. You know, there are 39 books of the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. And if you actually do the page number, I mean, three quarters of it is the Old Testament. And we need to know all scriptures inspired by the Holy Spirit. And it gives us the meta story of the Bible. God's character, his nature, his patience for our encouragement, for our hope, for our uplifting. And I think this is why Luke starts not with the birth of Jesus, but with the foretelling of Jesus being born with prophecy, with people, with all these different things, because you can't have one without the other. And so Luke wants us to think fully of the Christmas story and how it fits in the fuller story of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, to express God's heart that he wants to know us. And so I'm calling this message foretold, a part of God's plan. Foretold. When you think about Christmas and the birth of Christ, it was foretold and it was a part of God's plan. And we're going to see how God wanted to make sure we knew Jesus was his son. And, and, and how, man, he wants us to listen to Jesus, to worship Jesus, to exalt Jesus as Messiah, as King. As not just looking at a manger or a baby or this one little sliver, but look at the full character of who he is. And this is why this section is so long. And we're going to just run through it like running commentary. We're just going to just read some, make a couple of comments, see where the Lord leads and see what happens. I was talking to Rob. I was like, this is old school teaching, man. I don't even have slides. You just and There's no quotes in this whole message because we're going to read the whole Bible. <laughs> read this whole thing, talk about it, and just get a part of it. Uh, to help us with the Christmas story, we are giving out those free books, which again, uh, they're called One of Us by Brian Broderson, uh, blessing to you. Um, To do devotional we want to linger and meditate on God's Word in this Christmas season last year I put out 12 uh, devotionals if you go on our front page of our website there are six-minute devotional videos and I take all of the Gospels all of the Christmas story for about six minutes a day 12 days of Christmas videos you can watch them all as well Um, But we're going to jump in and we're going to take a lot of scripture and just enjoy the story that Luke shares with us So in verse 5-7. through We will start in this section. We'll just do briefly chunks of scripture with comments. And this section is the introduction of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth. In the days of Herod, the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah. Okay, in the division of you name it. And he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before the Lord, walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statues of the Lord, but they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren, and both were advanced in years. Don't you love the political correctness of that? No one's old here. Everyone's, if you're, if you're, you're just advanced in years. <laughs> what a blessing. Meaning she couldn't have any babies. She was advanced in years. This is our introduction to key characters of some parents that we're going to meet, Zachary and Elizabeth. They're introduced as righteous and good. Uh, They were servants of the living king. He was a priest in the priesthood of Aaron, And this needs to be said because they were barren. Culturally in that context, if you were barren, it was like you were cursed or people would think there's something wrong. You must have disobeyed God. But the text clearly says that they were righteous, meaning they were doing the just thing. They weren't all righteous. There's no, no one good, not one, but they were doing the right thing. They were living for God, but we'll see that God was allowing this bad thing to happen to them because he wanted to receive glory in their lives and work a miracle in their lives. And we should understand when we look to these key characters and get introduced to them in the Christmas story, Zachariah and Elizabeth, they teach us and remind us that our lives, that our lives should be lived for God, And we need to submit to his plan, even if that means there will be suffering on our part. Because you have to understand they were advanced in years. They had no daughter. They had no son. Their lineage, which was a big deal in the Jewish culture, was about to be cut off. But it was to the glory of God that they were living. They said, even if we suffer, we're going to live for Christ. They're a godly example. Those that are advanced in years should be godly examples of the faith, of what it looks like to follow God and his plan for your life. And so we see these characters and we say, okay, even as Christians we can suffer, but the cool thing is we're going to see is God was still with them. Don't forget in the holidays, people still suffer. They go through trauma. They go through all these different things, but God is still with us. He is a God that is with us and he's going to show us this. Now in verse 8 through 17, it gives the foretelling of John, John the Baptist. This is going to be significant because Zachariah and Elizabeth are his parents. And so we read, the story continues and says, now while he was serving as a priest, who was he? Zechariah he was serving as a priest. This was a, a role that he was doing before God. When his division was on duty, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot to enter the temple and burn incense. This was a big deal. He was going to be before the presence of God and do this duty. And it was an honor to be able to do that. And the whole multitude, verse 10, of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense and there appeared to him an angel we're going to find that angel is named Gabriel he's a messenger of the lord that's what angel means standing on the night on the right side of the altar of incense and zechariah was troubled when he saw him every time you see an angel of the lord appeared the people are freaked out because they're so glorious so amazing and so he saw him He fear it fell upon him but in verse 13 it says the angel said to him do not be afraid zechariah for your prayer has been heard. Your prayer has been heard. What probably have they been praying for? Well, the text says your wife will bear a son. They wanted it bad. They wanted some hope, some ambition. They, they were praying. And they must have thought, man, it, it's too late now. Did God even hear? My wife is advanced in years. I, we can't have any babies. It, it, we know, did God even listen? Does he even care? Is he with us? And yet this messenger is saying, Yeah, God has heard. 1 John 4 or 5 talks about when we pray, God listens to us. He hears our desires, he knows. And so he says, Do not be afraid for your afraid, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. For he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and to the disobedient, to the wisdom of the just, to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Let's pause there. It's a big chunk. This foretelling of John. Now in this section we see an angel comes to Zechariah as he is serving. I love this. Because we know that Zachariah has had a hard time in life. And is still continually having, hard, having a hard time. But he is serving God in the midst of his suffering. What another great important lesson for us. That even when we don't get our way, we can still serve God and bring glory to God in our lives. He and Elizabeth had been praying, but weren't getting the answer they wanted. So they didn't give up on the faith. They just continued to serve God. And this is an important lesson for us because too many people, they serve God when it's convenient or when they want to get their way, but he's being faithful. And now he gets chosen for this great privilege that we get to serve a God that's mighty, that's amazing. And in and Zechariah goes into the presence of God and this angel comes and Zechariah is serving and God sends a messenger. That's what angel means. He's later going to say, I came from heaven. An angel appears to him, tells him they will have a son. A miracle will take place. And this son will have a great purpose. And in verse 16 and 17, if you look at your Bible, it gives us this purpose of this son that they are to name John. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord, their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedience to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. John will have the spirit of power and of Elijah. This is a significant statement because it meant the Messiah was coming. The Messiah was coming, the promised one, the anointed one. John wouldn't be the anointed one. John 1 talks about that. But there would be someone greater. He was going to go prepare the way. There would be one that would take away the sins of the world. Spoiler alert, that was Jesus. The text is going to go on and tell us that. God wanted us to know that Jesus was the Christ, so we made sure we understood there would be a prophet saying, This is the guy, this is the guy. And so he would foretell, just like Elijah, being the great prophet, would foretell the ways of the Lord. And he uses similar language like we find in Malachi chapter 3, verse 1, or in Malachi chapter 4, the end of Malachi, uh, verses 5 through 6. The angel uses the exact language as Malachi, saying there will be this one that will tell of the one to come. And this is significant because God had not spoken to his people for hundreds of years. 400 to be exact. If you thought Elizabeth and Zechariah were waiting, the whole nation was waiting and they were questioning, is God with us? Where are the prophets? What about all this stuff going on? Is God, what is he going to say? Is he going to do it? Is he going to be with us? Does he even care? And it was like there was this gap in history because God wanted to make sure that something was special coming and there would be a prophet to make the way to say repent. And so this baby John would prepare the way for Jesus and, as, and was prophesied to have a great purpose. Because you guys realize you are ordained by God to have a great perfect, to walk in the the works that he has called you to do. Jesus would actually address John's purpose in his ministry. In Luke, a few chapters later, chapter 7, verses 24, 24 through 28, Jesus began to speak to the crowds concerning John, it says. And he says, what did you go out and see in verse 26? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, the more than a prophet, this is he whom it was written about. Behold, I send a messenger before, before your face who will prepare the way before you. I tell you, among these born women, none is greater than John. Jesus recognizes John's role. He recognizes and uses the same language as Malachi, language from Jeremiah, language from Isaiah, about this prophet coming. And so John was to be a sign to us all that God truly was with us. And so the angel gives purpose, and he says, this will be the one. You can bank on it, you can look for it. God wanted us to know that this guy would point us to Jesus, and this would be the Messiah. So, verse 18 through 25, Elizabeth actually conceives John. But Zechariah, in this moment, doubts. He doubts. Let's read this together. In Zechariah, in verse 18, said to the angel, How shall I know this? It's interesting. You're going to see Mary say that, but she said, With faith. He said this with doubt. For I am an old man, and my wife is advanced in years. And the angel answered him, I am Gabriel. That's my name. That's who I am. I just just dropped that line, right? He actually has an i I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I was sent to speak. God sent me. I was just with Jesus, just with God himself. He sent me to go tell you this. Hello, I'm an angel. It's who I am. I'm a messenger. And to bring you this good news. And behold, You will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place. You want a sign? I'm going to give you another sign. Because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time, the people were waiting for Zechariah, and they were wondering his delay in the temple. You notice that? It's like, I'll fulfill my word in, in my time. The people were delayed. It's crazy how timing can get in the way of our faith. When God says something, it's going to happen, but oftentimes we lack faith because of the delay or the timing of it all. But if God says it, he's going to do it. So he says, okay, I'm going to give you a sign, and this will happen. It will happen at a certain time. And the people were delayed, and they were waiting. And in verse 22, it says, and when he came out, he was unable to speak to them, just like the angel had said. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple, and he kept making signs to them and remained mute. And when his time of service has ended, he went home. After these days, his wife Elizabeth conceived. For five months, she kept herself hiding, saying, Thus the Lord has done for me in the days when he looked on me to take away my approach among the people. Again, she's identifying this was a painful thing culturally and personally. He took this approach away. He, he worked. It finally happened. A timing thing. So the, the, uh, uh, um, the angel comes to Zachariah. Zachariah doubts. And like us all, we could be like Zachariah. He had a choice. When God speaks, we either could believe it or not believe it. We can have faith or not. And he struggles to believe the word of God. He says, how will this be? Notice the struggle is the how. His focus is on the how and not the person. And I just want to encourage us, and when you think about this story, God never needs us to fully understand how he does things. He just wants us to trust him. It's more about a who than a how. The Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. He'll work. He'll move. But his doubt came because he wasn't focused on the presence of God and who God was. He was focused on the how. And so it caused doubt. And so the angel mutes Zachariah's mouth and Elizabeth becomes pregnant because whether we believe in God or not, his word will come true. You may have received promises and and are being encouraged by the Lord. And the reality is if you doubt... The only person that will miss out is you. We have to claim the promises of God of what he has said. This is a messenger saying the presence of the Lord giving you something. Will you receive it? When we come to our Bible studies, we're hearing what God has said. We're expositing and saying, what does this mean? How is it said? What's the context? And then we're just simply saying, what does it mean to you? Will you apply it? Do you believe it? Because whether you do or not won't change the eternal truth of God but it will change your life. And if you believe it, you'll be blessed. If you don't believe it, you'll miss out. And So this is what we see in Zechariah. He's not able to speak now, not be blessed in that way to give praise to the Lord. And so in verse 26 through 37, the angel Gabriel, he visits another person, not Elizabeth, but Mary. And now he foretells the birth of Jesus as well. Why? Because again, this is God, it's His plan, and He's letting humanity know, this is my Messiah. I want you to know this. I'm going to do some things in Isaiah. He would speak to the prophet. I'd prophesy and I'd tell these things in advance because there is no other God like me. I will make it happen, I will foretell it. And so in verse 26 through 37, we see a little pause break. As they're going through their thing and growing, and the baby is growing in the womb, we see. Gabriel at work going again. It says in the sixth month, verse 26, angel Gabriel was sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. Key characters in this Christmas story. Of the house of David and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. We're asking in this series, is God with us? Sometimes it doesn't look all like God is with us. Does he really hear our prayers? Okay, you're telling me God's presence is with me, so I'm going to be blessed, right? I'm not going to go through suffering? Well, not exactly. God is going to be with Mary, but you're going to see it's actually going to be an inconvenience to her life. Verse 29, but she was greatly troubled at this saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. A common theme for an angel. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor or grace with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, meaning God is salvation. He will be great. Again, he's giving now purpose and prophesying. He will be great. Jesus will be great. Fully God, fully man. And behold, he gives some evidence and sign your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her whom was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Again, Gabriel is sent by God to tell a message. Notice how how proactively God is in the birth of Jesus. How he gives scripture, how he initiates. The Bible says we love because he first loved us. He is proactively sending a messenger being before Gabriel saying, go and do this, he does it. Go and do this, and he does it. He wants us to know that something is taking place, and so God is practically working to show us that he's going to be with us fully God, fully man. And part of this was telling Mary that she was going to conceive a child without sexual intercourse. This word being a virgin, birth. But this was significant, because in verse 35, the angel answered and said, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, set apart, different. He'll be called the Son of God. Oftentimes, people question the deity of Jesus. Is He really God? Yes, He is the Son of God. For God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a significant thing of our faith that there was this virgin birth, and it was a sign now, one of the reasons why he's having this language is because God is the author of the whole Bible. In the language with Zechariah, he was saying specific stuff from Malachi. Now Gabriel is saying specific scripture, like from Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, God would tell Isaiah this prophecy that there would be a sign. So when you see the specific sign, you know it's the Messiah because I want you to know that I'm with you and that this is me in flesh. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. And we know Matthew tells us Emmanuel means God with us. It's almost too hard to comprehend. So God has to give signs. Isaiah was 700 years before Christ was born. Malachi was 400 years before Christ was born. God's saying, I'm the author of this whole story, this good news, this gospel. I want you to know. So I'm going to give you signs. I'm going to give you a messenger. I'm going to give you my angels and all these different things. And the angel tells Mary, God can do this. He can give signs. He can work wonders. So go and check this out. Your relative, Elizabeth, well, she's pregnant. She was barren, but With me, Mary, nothing is impossible with God. And so he just gives her the how. He just gives it to her. Because God wanted us to know that Jesus was great. The son of the most high God. And that he would reign forever as king. He would come and save. As Jesus means God is our salvation. And so we see Mary's now response. We saw Zechariah's response. Here's Mary's response to this. Of God's favor in verse 38 through 56. And this is important because we should respond to God's grace and His favor. And so, Mary said to this angel, Behold, I am your servant. I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Now, in those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. She wanted to see if this thing was real. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in the womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud voice, or a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me. The Holy Spirit was revealing that Jesus would be Lord, that He would be King. This is the role of the Holy Spirit, to teach us. He's the great comforter. He teaches us. He's inspired the Word of God so we would know God. He he teaches us these things and she's filled with the Holy Spirit and she's saying, you're the mother of my Lord. Meaning, the one that you're going to give birth, He's going to save and I'm going to worship Him. For behold... Oh, and and this is why it's granted to me the mother of my Lord. Verse 44, For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And the blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. God saw faith. He even revealed faith to others. God sees your faith and He can reveal your faith through you to others. And so Mary said... This song of praise, the magnificent. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And for he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he is mighty and has done great to Abraham and to his offspring, offspring forever. And Mary remained there uh, with her for about three months and returned to her home. He has, he has, he will, his, his, him, who. It's all about God. She's responding in worship and saying, this is who he is. This is who my God is. He's helped. He spoke. He's filled us. He's brought us. He's shown us. He's given us mercy. He's mighty. He looked. My soul magnifies the Lord. And so in this response in her faith, Mary, we see the response of God's favor and grace in three ways. Obedience, action, and praise. Obedience, action, and praise. First, obedience. She says in verse 38, Behold, I am a servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. The first thing we see is Mary decide in her heart to just obey the Lord. She says, my Lord. I am your servant. She calls herself servant. This actually implies that there is a God and he is my master. I will do what he says. Like Daniel dedicated in his heart to walk with God. There has to be a dedication in your heart. If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you'll be saved. There is something internally that you have to decide in your heart. Will you obey? And she says, you know what? I'm going to do whatever he says even if this meant hardship and suffering, because she would know that her body would change being pregnant. And the scriptures and the gospel actually tell us that people would ridicule her and Jesus for this situation of being pregnant without being married. She was betrothed. It's like being engaged, but she wasn't married. So this actually meant there would be hardship, ridicule, suffering, her body would change. It wouldn't be a fun experience but it would bring glory to God as a sign. Whatever you have for me, Lord. This isn't about me being having a fun experience. This is about you being glorified. Oftentimes in our Christian faith, we act as if our faith in God is for us to be having fun. But on the contrary, it's for us to bring glory to God. And so we bring glory to God as we obey Him. As she submitted to His will... And this is the appropriate response to God's grace and favor. He was glorified. We don't need to understand or even like the plans of God to obey. We just need to obey. You may not even understand. She didn't understand. She didn't fully grasp everything. She just obeyed. And this is a part of our worship unto the Lord we see in Mary, but also in the Christian faith. For Jesus said in John fourteen fifteen, If you love me, you will obey me. Are you obeying God? Are you responding to the grace and favor and breath in your lungs? Saying, I just want to obey God. That was her first response. But notice it went further than that. Because there wasn't just obedience of the heart. There was action. In verse 39, it says, In those days Mary arose. She got up and she went with haste into the hill country, into the town of Judah. Mary went to go see Elizabeth and responded or acted according to the word of God. Hey, your relative is pregnant. Okay, great. I'm going to go because I believe in you, and I'm going to go check it out. I'm going to put my faith into some action. You need not only to have a heart decision to obey God's word, but the action to move forward to be blessed, to see how the Lord is moving. She wanted to see, okay, I believe it, but I want to see God work. So I'm going to step out in faith. I'm going to go in haste and I'm going to go to this hill countryside. I'm going to go visit my relatives. She stepped out in faith and went and saw. And as soon as she came in, the Lord recognized her faith. Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in verse 42, it says, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. We see a blessing upon her because she was humbling herself, responding to God's grace and she had faith in God and His word. It caused her to act, and it should cause us to act as well, too. Your faith will always have action. Your actions really just show what you have faith in. As James 2.18 says, you say you have faith, well, I'll show you my faith. You could say whatever you want about what you believe in your heart, but are you actually living that out? And as we respond to God's favor and His word with action, we're blessed. Look at verse 45. It says, And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And then the last thing we see of this response of grace is praise. A proclamation. In verse 46 and 47, Mary said, Then my soul now magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. And we read this beautiful praise of Mary as she opens her mouth in praising and magnifying God. You know, when we find the favor of God, we should have a natural response of thanksgiving and praise. You should want to tell other people about the grace of God in your life, about your faith. We as believers should be evangelists. That should be in our very nature to tell people of the excellencies of God being snatched from darkness into light. It shouldn't just be, oh, it's just me and Jesus is in my heart or I'm just going to just, gonna just you know, act and people can just see my actions. No, open your mouth and magnify God. Share the good news. Preach the good news, the Bible says, to all creation, everywhere you go. She's praising and she's proclaiming God and that is an appropriate response when you find God's favor through this gospel, the Messiah, Jesus himself. As we study about how God is with us, how we can experience this undeserved grace in Jesus, we should be obeying God, we should be acting out our faith, and we should be proclaiming His great name to the nations. And this is what we see. And in verse 57 through 66, we see the birth of John the Baptist. Read with me this next section. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth. She bore a son, and her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. Remember, even the prophecy of there will be great rejoicing. It's already happening. Aren't you glad that God gives you some of uh, uh, the foretaste of heaven right now? The promises of God are yes, nay, man, right now. There's abundant life right now. Yes, there is heaven. The hope of heaven we'll get for all eternity. But some of the promises of God you'll actually experience here on earth. As you obey him, as you claim the of God, as you walk with God. They're experiencing that. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise a child, and they, would, uh, and they would have called him Zachariah after his father, but his mother answered, no. All good moms have to say no at one point or another. He shall be called John. And they said to her, none of your relatives is called this name. Are you crazy? Why are you doing that? That's not the culture. That's, you don't do that. And in verse 62, they made signs to the father inquiring what he wanted to call him. And he asked for a writing table and wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. People really wonder. They, they, they find it very bizarre when you obey God's word. And immediately... His mouth, speaking of Zachariah, was open and his tongue loosened, and he spoke, blessing God. And the fear came upon all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about through all the hill of country of Judah. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. It's important we know That God just doesn't predict things or foretell things, but He makes them a reality. Too often we theorize, because there's so many last day, end of times, revelation or prophecies about that, that we assume it's like a made-up story that may or may not work. We have hundreds, if not thousands of prophecies that have already been fulfilled in history. In the birth of Christ, there was already prophecies being fulfilled, and John was foretold. He would, uh, they, he would be conceived, he would give birth, he would be this, this great purpose, and immediately you're seeing God's word being fulfilled. This is a very important part of our faith, is the Bible, one-fourth of it is prophetic, meaning there is something foretold. And we can look back and say, no, God did that, God did that, God prophesied that, and it came place. So if he did all of this, and if he's faithful to his word, he's surely going to come in the reason on all these other things as well. And what we're seeing is, in this passage, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they have a baby boy, just as it was spoken. This is incredible This was a miracle and a part of God's plan to show you if he says something, he'll do it because he would become a rabbi, a great master teacher, and he was about to lay down what the kingdom of God was like, say repent and turn to God, and he was going to blow this kingdom of darkness out of the water and give this light and start saving people by the power of his word and he wanted to build our faith and so he preemptively is telling us and showing us he is with us in his word and you can actually bank on it you can experience the love of God through his word and so he wanted John to prepare the way and John came God wanted his name to be John not Zachariah which would have been a normal thing. Verse fifty-nine says they were shocked. Why, why are you naming this kid not Zechariah, but noticed a second chance of Zechariah? Zechariah now obeyed the Lord and told them on the table, on the writing utensil, the tablet. Right, he wrote his name shall be John, because he believed God. He learned the hard way. It's okay sometimes if we mess up. Just learn from your failures. Fall forward, they say. He doubted, but now he believed. You guys, if you stumble, get up. The Father says the righteous fall, but they, they, they rise seven times. Get up. Repent. Zachariah believes now, and he had another opportunity. God gives second chances. God gives third chances. God continually is merciful and gracious to us and says, hey, will you believe now? Okay, you didn't live for me in 2021. Great. What about today? For today is a day of salvation. Will you believe me now? Will you believe me now? And God will always proactively seek us because he desires for us to know his salvation and to walk with him. So Zechariah obeys, and wouldn't you know it, it was after he obeyed and after he acted, God opened his mouth and he started praising. That's a beautiful pattern of scripture. God gives us revelation. We do something with our heart. We act out that faith, and then we speak forth the praises of God. And the people were stunned, and they asked in verse 66, what then will this child even be? It reminds me of how people will ask us questions if we honor the Lord, as 1 Peter 3.15 says, that we have to give an account for the hope that we have within us. When we believe and we act it out and we speak forth the kingdom of God, it will actually make a difference, and people will say, well, why are you different? What, what is that like? And now we see Zechariah use his mouth to proclaim God and to prophesy and explain to them God's plan with his newborn son. Let's finish with verse 67 through 80. I can't believe I'm about to do 75 verses. And this, his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. You ever wonder, is God really with you? Notice how much Luke is saying there's the Holy Spirit, God with us. There was the Father I was just in the presence of God and the throne, Gabriel, but God is with us. There is a Holy Spirit, Father, Son, and Spirit, and he's filled now with the Holy Spirit, and he's prophesying and speaking forth truth, saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people. He's not far off, he's present. And He has raised up a horn of salvation for us, this strength, this way to be saved in the house of His servant David as He spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets from the old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hands of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember His holy covenant, the oath that He swore to our Father to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear and holiness and righteousness before Him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give knowledge of the salvation to His people and the forgiveness of their sins because the tender mercy of God, not our own efforts, but it's the tender mercy of God that we're saved. Whereby the sunrise shall visit us on the high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. And the child grew and became strong in spirit and he was in the wilderness until the day of his public appearance to Israel. Well, lastly, verse 67 through 80, we see Zechariah filled with the Holy Spirit and he speaks. He starts to praise God. It's when you're filled with God's spirit, you're able to acknowledge him as Jesus, as Christ. He blesses us to be able to even do this, to sing. We take for granted that. He opens Zachariah's mouth, he opens Zachariah's eyes, and he tells us that God had visited his people, that God spoke by the mouth of the prophets. And some of these prophecies would be from all over. Jeremiah 23 would talk about the Messiah coming from the Levitical law, Leviticus 26.42. There would be prophecies in Zephaniah 3.15 or how Jeremiah would say, you're going to have a heart of stone, but you're going to get a, a heart of flesh and be born again. And there was all these prophecies building up to this culmination of Jesus coming, the Messiah. And so Zechariah starts prophesying how God had not forgotten His promise. To who? To Abraham, the father of faith. It had been a long time since Abraham was alive. But yet God was still faithful. Galatians says it was at the proper time that Christ came. God is still faithful to you even though you haven't seen the promise yet. It will be at the proper time that he will fulfill his word. And how his son, John, would be used by God by his mercy to give knowledge of the salvation You know, John's name means God is gracious or merciful. God was giving the nation this messenger because he wanted to be merciful to the nation to let them know, I haven't spoken. I did that gap so you'd be extra attentive so you could repent and know. I want your heart prepared. I'm doing all this for you. And this was all a part of God's plan. And so he's filled with the Holy Spirit. He's sharing the plan that there's a Messiah coming, that it's being foretold so that they would realize and understand God was truly coming to us as a child. It's too good to be true. This horn of salvation, this strength, this might, this majesty of the Most High would come in a humble estate and be born, but it would be a sign. God spoke from the prophets of old. And he knew, and he would speak now, through his son, Jesus. And we, like John, can be pointing people to Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, to declare that there is great news, that there is one that saves, that God became flesh and made a way where we now can have fellowship with him as we repent and believe in Jesus. It's interesting, right? Our commission is just now the mercy of God or the compassion, the grace of God that we now would evangelize and tell other people there was one that was born. We are signs, are witnesses. You shall be a witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you to Ju- Jerusalem, Judea, and the ends of the earth. We see a picture of God's grace not only in John, but as he saves us and works through us It's a picture of his salvation and his goodness and his mercy and grace. And so, man, I I hope this Christmas you're reminded of God's full story and realize that God wants you to know him, that he is with you, and you can be used by God just as John the Baptist was used and had a purpose and a plan. It was prophesied. There are scriptures that actually say there's a purpose and plan for your life. That you can bring glory to God. And so as we close, we're going to take communion. We're going to remember God's grace. Because Luke, before Jesus came, he's emphasizing God's grace and how God's working. And the songs are magnifying God of who God is. All this different stuff. We know on the other side of the cross that Jesus would grow up. He wouldn't be a baby forever. He lived a perfect life that you and I couldn't live. And he died for sins on the cross. He would, in fact, teach us, I came to seek and save the lost. And he would teach us as we gather, remember the grace of God. Luke, before he gets into chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, you read the birth of Jesus. It all starts with God's grace. Wasn't that a theme in John chapter 1? It was from grace upon grace. You're starting to see How grace looks and it's a little bit different but grace is in the person of Jesus because Jesus is with us and God is with us and it may bring the dying of your flesh it may bring some suffering or inconvenience but there is great reward and he would teach us you need to remember it's by your grace that you were saved not your efforts I started this thing I'm gonna finish this thing and so he says for us as believers to respond and so let's respond in our hearts, in obedience. Let's walk out these doors with action, being filled with the Holy Spirit, and let's take time to praise God for the work that he's done. And the Bible says, if you believe in your heart, confess with the mouth, you'll be saved. You can partake in communion, and you can enjoy the grace of God as you believe, but the choice is yours. Just like Zachariah had a choice, just like Mary had a choice, you have a choice. Will you be a servant or not? And this is why we need to examine ourselves, even as believers coming to the table and saying, God, you're my God. I need you to fill me with your spirit. I need your presence to actually have my faith walk out. And so let's do that now and let's respond and let's just reflect on this message. Jesus, we thank you so much for your word that we can study your word in this way. We know it's a long section of scripture and because, God, you've been working for a long time. Lord, before we were even born, you were at work. You knew our names. You formed us in our mother's womb. You're amazing. It's actually impossible to do the things that we talk about. But it is not, but it is it is possible with you, Lord, for with you nothing is impossible. And you died for our sins, you rose again, and you declare it's good news as we turn and believe in you and so we look to you now and we respond and we wait and we repent and we just enjoy your grace, your presence. Help us in this Christmas season to know that you are God with us, even if it looks different than we expected, even if the timing is off. God, you hear our prayers. You see our hearts. You want us to walk in faith. Help us to be your people that proclaim your good news and that know it personally this season. And so, Lord, we love you. We respond. We look to you. And we just want to reflect on your love. May when we think about Christmas, think about the cross. For you manifested your love in both events. And Lord, you're manifesting your love through Jesus even now to us as we speak. So we love you, God. We praise your name and let us just continue to enjoy your grace together. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. This is Pastor Daniel Williams with Redemption Church. Thank you so much for listening to this message. You can subscribe to this podcast via iTunes, Google Play, or YouTube. So you never miss a message. The mission of Redemption Church is to pursue and to proclaim Jesus. And we would love to have you partner with us. Feel free to share these messages with your family and friends. And also, if you'd like to donate to the ministry, go to redemptiondb.com. God bless you.